Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting. I don't like delays. I hate it when things take longer than I think they should. I, how many of you are like your pastor? You don't like to wait for things. We like things done quickly, right? Two weeks ago, I was flying out of John Wayne to speak at a couple's retreat in uh, a church in the Pittsburgh area. And we got on our plane, everything was good, and they announced we all got settled in and our seatbelts on, and everybody put, everybody put their AirPods in so they didn't have to talk to anybody around them, and, and all the things that happened on an airplane. And, and then we waited. And five minutes turned into 10 minutes, turned into 15 minutes, and about a half an hour they said, we have an issue that we're working on some things, and they fixed it, and that's always reassuring, right, when there's some mechanical failure. We promise it's all better, we've got to do some paperwork, and we'll get you out of there. And so then another five minutes, and 10 minutes, and 15 minutes, and finally then they said, all right, we've got it, we're taxing out. It was an engine that would not fire up, and so that made it even worse. One of their engines was not working. and. Uh, and so then we taxied out. So I thought, okay, we're good. And I was doing the math on my layover. I was going to be landing, I think, in, at Midway maybe. And I was doing the math. Okay, I think I'll still make it here on my layover. And, uh, and then another five minutes and ten minutes, and people are starting to get frustrated. And, and they came on while we were on the runway and said, uh, said, the engine won't fire up again. And we have to go back to our gates. And so they took us back in, and all of about two hours on the plane. And uh, I did not enjoy that, and those around me, some of them enjoyed it even less, and they were getting frustrated and upset, and they eventually said, you're going to have to get off the plane, get your bags, go back to the ticket counter and wait there in a line of a couple hundred people uh, to, uh, to get rebooked. And, and so while I was waiting to get off the plane, I called, and, and I kind of got ahead of the line and got a different flight before I had to go wait in that line. But it was a reminder of how much we hate to wait. And, and a 15-minute or 30-minute or hour delay can be the end of the world, it feels like at times, and people get all up in arms. And I don't like getting in line at the grocery store and seeing, picking the wrong line and seeing the line. Anybody else, you do the mathematical equations, you look at the lines, you look at the pace of the, the, uh, the, the uh, uh, person that's there doing it, how quickly is she or he scanning the items, you do an equation, there are three people there, there are approximately 450 items there, and you figure out which line to get in. Anybody like that? And then you get in the wrong line, and you're standing there, and you look, and the line next to you is moving quickly. This, I, I'm just admitting my, our sins right here are our faults in our family. I'll do things where I will put multiple people in our family in multiple lines. And then whoever's going fast, we've moved the whole, excuse me, my shopping cart over to that one right there. Why? We hate late waiting. I hate traffic. Don't get me started on a restaurant that makes me wait more than 10 minutes after they've taken my order to bring me my food. We will be talking to the manager, am I right? And I actually don't talk to the manager, I, but, but it's funny how there's kind of this internal clock. You place your order, and if it's an extra five minutes, what's wrong with these people? What's going on back there? Do they have to go kill the cow themselves? Are they growing the vegetables back there? Like we have all these lines, why? Because 10 minute delay is the end of the world for us. We love things quickly. Burger King built an entire marketing campaign around this idea, didn't they? Have it your way, what? Right away. 
I guess that marketing campaign wasn't very good. Nobody remembered it. <laughs> or maybe I'm just old. That was a long time ago. I'm not sure. Have it your way right away, right? And uh, we buy instant coffee and instant oats and salad in a bag because cutting up some carrots and cucumbers is just too much. We don't have time for that. We don't like to wait. But sometimes God's perfect plan in our lives takes time. Sometimes God's providential path for us includes delays that we didn't expect and we may not like. I want to bring you a message from Genesis 21 in our verse-by-verse study through this book we've been going through. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Genesis chapter number 21. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. If you're following along and reading from a, a phone or a tablet, I'll be reading from the King James Version of the Bible this morning. Has God ever delayed in your life, seemingly? Something didn't work out when you wanted it to, when you thought it would, in the ways that you wanted it to, in the ways that you thought it would? Maybe in a relationship, maybe in a work situation, maybe in a family situation, maybe in a financial situation, a business situation. It, didn't, it seemed like God didn't come through when you thought He would. He didn't work things out according to your expectations or your timeline. His promises even that you, you were counting on went unfulfilled for weeks, for months, for years and maybe even decades. I want us to see in Genesis 21 and a few other passages this morning, I want us to see what God's delays can do in us if we allow them to, and then I want us to see what we should do in them when they come. This morning we're going to see the answers to these two questions. Question number one that we're going to answer is, what can God's delays do in and through us? And what I mean by a delay is, again, it seems like this is taking longer than I thought. I'm waiting on God, I've prayed about this, I'm resting in His promise, and the answer hasn't come. That thing that I thought by now would be taken care of, or I would have figured out, I'm not there yet. What can God's delays do in us and through us? And then the second question we're going to answer this morning is, what should we do in God's delays? So what can God's delays do in us, and what should we do in God's delays? Last week, um, we are, we're working through this book, and, and often we'll make it through an entire chapter on a Sunday morning. Last week, we made it through about eight words, I think, two phrases. And we looked at Genesis chapter uh, 21, verse number one last week, and I had planned in my study a couple of weeks ago, as I'm kind of outlining this book for the next few weeks as we continue on, I thought we'd be getting through all of Genesis 21 this week. I thought we were going to be looking at a message between flesh and faith, um, uh, Sarah and Hagar, Ishmael and Isaac. I thought we, uh, that's probably going to be next Sunday, next Sunday we'll see, it's it's Palm Sunday, we're having a communion service, but the next time we're in this series. That's probably where we'll be. That's where I thought we were going to be today. But there was another phrase, just like last week, where we didn't make it through a whole lot of this chapter, really pulled out two phrases. There was another phrase that I couldn't get past. Last week it was in verse 1. This week it's in verse 2. Let's read verse number 1 aloud together. Genesis 21, verse number 1. Ready? Begin. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. Last week's message was you can trust His Word. We looked at those two phrases, as He had said and as He had spoken. There are a whole lot of things in this world you can't trust. People, 
places, businesses, companies, bosses, friends, relatives, pastors sometimes, government officials, anything that is of this fallen world at times may break your trust, but you can trust His Word. As he had said and as he had spoken. That was last week's message. Now would you read verse number two aloud together with me. Verse number two, ready, begin. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. We read that verse. Of course, that verse is the fulfillment of God's promises. Isaac, the promised son, God has now come through for his promise. We read that verse and rejoice, and it's just a verse to us. Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age. They're 190 years old. It's miraculous at the set time of which God had spoken to him. God, God came through. God fulfilled his promise. The promised son Isaac, through which the promised Messiah would come, has now come. God had promised to Abraham, I'll make of you a great nation. And we read that verse, and we just kind of keep reading like, awesome, it happened. It's great. The, 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 the promised son, the miracle son is here. God fulfilled his promises. We rejoice that God worked in miraculous ways. We read it and we keep on reading the rest of the story. But I want to challenge you. God's word is so beautiful. It's so deep. It's so rich. When you read the Bible, stop and really think about what you're reading. Stop and sit in passages and think about what those people were going through, what they were facing. And when you do that, you'll find amazing things in Scripture when you stop and, and consider and really sit in a verse or in a chapter or in a book. So we see that verse and kind of keep reading. It's whatever it is, 15-ish words or whatever there, 15 or 20 words. And okay, they got Isaac. That's awesome. Their life is great. But do you know what that one verse represents in the lives of Abraham and Sarah? I underline, if you want to underline, here's the phrase where our message will come from in verse number two. I underline, if you're in the habit of underlining in your Bible, at the set time. At the set time. And we read that phrase, four words. Do you know what those four words represented in Abraham and Sarah's life? 25 years. 25 years of delay. 25 years of waiting. A quarter of a century of their lives since God has said, I will give you a child, I will make a great nation of you. They've waited for 25 years for God to fulfill His plan, wondering if God had forgotten His promise, thinking that they had to help God out to make His will come true. Remember Hagar and Ishmael? Not 25 days did they delay, did God delay for them seemingly. Not 25 weeks did they wait, not 25 months, but 25 years. 25 years of watching friends have children and grandchildren while Sarah was barren and childless. One, uh, uh, 1,300 weeks of waiting. More than 9,000 days of delay, 9,000 times after God made them an amazing promise did they wake up and think, well, maybe today's the day, maybe this is the week, maybe this is the month we're going to find out that Sarah is expecting. 9,000 days. It seemed as though God had delayed almost 13 million minutes of seeming missed opportunities for God to make good on His promise. 
And I read that, and I hadn't planned to bring this message this morning. I thought last Sunday we'd be looking at at the differences of Isaac and Ishmael and and what that means in our spiritual lives and trying to live in the flesh or living by faith, a child of of, of the flesh, of the law, a child of grace, and and we're going to see that soon. But I couldn't get past that truth. And I want to bring a message this morning that I've titled, Delight in God's Delays. That's not easy. I don't delight in traffic delays, let alone 25 years of waiting. I don't delight when a waiter's 10 or 15 minutes late with my order. But over and over again, God's Word teaches us that divine delays are good. Over and over throughout Scripture, we see that God's divine delays in our lives are good. God uses them for our good, and He uses them for His glory. We see it here in this passage with Abraham and Sarah. We see it elsewhere with Moses and his delays of 40 years in the desert. We see it with Joseph in the prison for for year after year after year for doing nothing more than living a life of integrity. We see it in Job living in deep grief for for a, a long period of time. We see it in Joshua in the wilderness wandering with the children of Israel. We see it with Paul, the Apostle Paul in prison for two years in Rome and at other times. We even see it with Jesus Christ where 30 years before his public ministry began, the, the very Son of God. We we find throughout Scripture that often long periods of waiting and preparation are in our lives before the fulfillment of God's promises in our lives. Over and over again, God's Word teaches us that divine delays are good. So as we answer these two questions, number one, what can God's delays do in us? I want to give you three thoughts here. What can God's delays do in us? Number one, we see in this passage and some others we're going to look at, they can strengthen our faith. When God doesn't come, now by the way, every one of these is going to say they can, not they will. Because it depends on how we interact with those delays. It depends on how we walk through those seasons of uncertainty. It depends on how we approach those times of confusion and maybe discouragement and frustration. God, what are you doing? When is this going to be over? How are you going to use this for your good? I don't understand. It's been a week. It's been a month. It's been a year. It's been five. It's been 10 for Abraham and Sarah. It's been 25 years. What, what, what can God use those seasons in our lives to do? Number one, they can strengthen our faith. What is What is faith, church? Faith is believing without seeing. That's what faith is. And so what is, what is a season of delay give you an opportunity? You don't see what God's doing, so if you handle it correctly, it strengthens your faith because all you can do is trust Him when you can't trace Him. The longer a delay, the stronger our faith can become, because in that delay we have to choose if we will trust or if we will run. Take your Bibles, please. Let's turn to John chapter 11. I want you to see this. We're going to look at six or seven verses in John chapter number 11. In the gospel according to John, Jesus is coming to the end of His earthly life and ministry here. In fact, this miracle is kind of the one that's going to set off the enemies of Christ um, to crucify Him, and He's just days away from crucifixion in the, in the passage we're going to read. A very familiar story in this story, one of Jesus' closest friends on earth, Lazarus, he gets sick. And it's a sickness that obviously is pretty serious. His sisters understand the, the, the seriousness of the, of the sickness, and so they call for Jesus. This one's beyond us. We need you here, and we need you here now. Have you ever felt that way with God? 
I need you here, and I need, and I'm, I understand his presence never leaves us, but like, we, I need you to work in my life, and I need you to work now. This cannot wait. This one is beyond my power, it's beyond my strength, which by the way, all of it should be beyond our power and our strength, that whatever is not of faith is sin. But sometimes we feel like, well, I can handle the small stuff and we'll give God the big stuff. But here, they understood, we need you here, we need you to work here, and we need you to work now. And so they called Jesus. And look at verse number six, and Jesus loved, by the way, Lazarus' sisters Martha and Mary. Verse number six, it says, and when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, what are the next four words, church? The next four words, he abode two days. What? He abode two days still in the same place where he was. What? When Jesus heard that people he loved dearly, some of his dearest friends on this earth, when he heard that they were in the trial of their lives, he stayed put and didn't come to them. Does that seem like something a, someone that loves you would do in your time of need and trial? You call somebody, I need you here right now. This is, the, the, this is the scariest thing I've ever been through. Can you come to my house right now? I need you here right now. Uh, I'll be there in a couple days. That doesn't seem like love, does it? Sometimes, I have it written in my Bible, sometimes God's love can look a whole lot like neglect to us. Those seasons of delay. He delayed. Why would Jesus delay? From our perspective, it makes no sense. Why would he allow that delay? But Jesus tells a little bit. Uh, he tells us a little bit. Skip down to verse number 14. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Verse number 15, and this seems like really insensitive words, and I am glad. I'm happy that he died. For your sakes, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to raise him from the dead. I'm glad that this trial happened. I'm glad he's talking to the disciples, the apostles. I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. Here it is. To the intent ye may what church? Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Verse number 15, uh, there he says, I'm glad I know why I delayed. One of the reasons I delayed was so that I could strengthen your faith to the intent that you might believe because you're going to see me do some things in your life that you never would have seen had I answered that prayer as soon as you prayed it. Martha and Mary, you're going to have a deeper love for me, a deeper trust in me, a deeper faith in me when I've brought you through this trial than you ever would have had if I would have come two days ago. That season of delay, Jesus said, is going to strengthen your faith. Skip down to verse number 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. God, I know you could have fixed it. I don't understand why you delayed. Look what she says, verse 22, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Do you see the faith there? But even now, I believe, God, you can still work. Verse 23, Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. Look at verse 24, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Do you see Martha's faith mixed with doubt? God's delay. God, if you had been here, you could have fixed it. I still think you can fix it, and then Jesus says, I'm going to fix it. And she says, I mean, I know you're going to fix it in the end. I, I, I know at the, at the end we're all going to rise with you. She's mixed that season of delay. She's trying to have faith, but it's, it's like we see in another passage, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. And delays can strengthen our faith. Look at verse number 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, she said the same thing her sister did, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not 
not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. I wanna, I wanna say this to us this morning. This passage reminds us he does care when his delays in our life cause us pain and confusion. You ever feel like you're all alone? Like the psalmist that said, the heavens are like brass, I pray, and it just feels like they bounce off the ceiling. You read the psalms sometimes, and it's clear they're, they're confused and they're hurting. David doesn't understand why God's allowed this into his life. Why has God let him live and have to run for years from Saul and hiding in caves? And he doesn't understand. He had been anointed king. God had made him a promise. God had said, this is the one. And now there's been a great delay from the promise to the promise being fulfilled. And, and you can read, and I don't understand it, but then the psalmist will say, I didn't understand it, but then God showed himself real. And I just want to stop and say to you this morning, if you're here this morning and you're in one of those seasons of delay, you don't quite understand what God's doing and why he's doing it and how he could possibly work it out for your good. And it doesn't feel like anybody cares. And maybe like sometimes people in the Bible, even you're not even sure that God cares. Intellectually, you know that he cares. Intellectually, you know that he said he'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's not that you're, you're intellectually doubting it, but practically speaking, it feels like in, I know that intellectually he cares, but it doesn't feel like he cares. And I love that verse right there, he wept, he groaned in his spirit. It shows even though he knew how he was going to work all this together for good, he still felt the feeling of our infirmities. Aren't you glad we have not an high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we yet without sin? Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may find help, obtain mercy in our time of need. This delay allowed him to work in ways that showed his love to many other people. Look at verse number 35, Jesus wept. What a beautiful, the shortest verse in the Bible, packed with so much love and compassion. Verse 36, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. What did, what did this delay allow to happen? It strengthened the faith of Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. It strengthened the faith of the disciples. It strengthened the faith of their friends. It strengthened the faith of the Jews. They now saw Jesus in a new light. Why? Because somebody that he loved dearly was walking through a difficult season of delay in his life. Look at verse 45, last verse we'll look at here in this passage. Notice this, then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Because of the painful, it, it, was, it was one of the worst days of their lives. Martha and Mary in deep grief and mourning and pain. And really confusion. I thought you loved us. Why would you let this happen to us? Why would we walk through this? God, that makes no sense. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. You could have fixed this. What were you doing the last two days? And I'm, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but you can hear that in their, in their hearts as you read it. If you had been here, he had not died. I don't understand. But what do we see that this delay in their lives, Jesus knew he was sick, he knew he was dying, and yet he abode there two days. He delayed. What happened with that delay? They strengthened their faith. Many around them believed in Christ because they watched the love of God minister to and keep and comfort and work things out in the lives of those he loved, of those that followed him. May I just stop and say, 
say, sometimes there is no greater testimony in your life and in mine than when people around us watch us walk through the deep, deep valleys of life, watch us walk through those things and keep our faith when we don't understand, trust Him when we don't like what He's doing, even in our midst of our doubts and our questions, we still choose when we don't feel like it, we choose to stay faithful and true to His Word. There, that, that does, there are not many things that speak of the love of Christ to those around us louder than a Christian walking through a trial like that. This week, my wife and I, we were on the campus of Pensacola Christian College. We were with our daughter all day on Tuesday. There was a pastor's conference we were going to beginning on Tuesday evening. We had been invited to come as guests there, and, and we had spent the day with Ashlyn and had gone out and bought a few things she needed and, and took her to Target and bought her some groceries and things and snacks or whatever college students need in their room. And, and she got a, a, a text on her cell phone, and, it's, and she said, that's weird. We just got a text from the college saying we're all meeting in the, uh, about 4,000 students, we're all meeting in the auditorium for a time of prayer tonight. They said we're going to be meeting at 7 o'clock tonight in the, in the large auditorium uh, for a time of prayer and, and to talk through some things. And she said, I've, I've been here since September, there's never been anything like that. And then she got a text and somebody had heard and they said a student, a freshman, um, just was struck by a drunk driver on a sidewalk. And, and it looks like it's passed away, and it's a large school. I don't know how many freshmen, but I'm guessing 1,500, 2,000 freshmen, 1,500-ish probably. And so she texted the friend that texted her that and said, do we know the person? And I was standing there watching her phone when the two words popped up, and it said, Jaden Goins. Jaden Goins is a missionary son that was the first missions trip our church took six years ago. When I came to the church, I said to the pastoral staff, I'd like to take our church on a short-term missions trip. Does anybody know a good missionary family and work to go see? And immediately David Scott said, I've been to Honduras. The Goans are some of the most amazing people we know, and I think it'd be a great trip. And several of us went on that trip to Honduras. And that week, she impacted our lives, and the Goans truly are some of the sweetest Christians I've ever been privileged to meet. And their son Jaden and our son Titus were the same age and graduated and stayed in touch over these last six years and would text each other often. And Jaden, like, like our son, we had great prayers and dreams for, and Jaden had given his life to go train to be a pastor and possibly a missionary to go back to Honduras to work with his, his children. Had an amazing testimony on campus. And in a moment, in a moment, on Tuesday afternoon, his life was taken from him. I got thinking about Last Sunday, Matt, a friend of mine, I've texted this week. Last Sunday, he stood up to preach in Honduras to those sweet people that he loves so much. And today, he's already had his son's funeral, having no idea that would happen. And I listened yesterday as he addressed and he spoke. Unbelievably, he said, I'm broken and we're, we're so broken and heartbroken and it hurts so badly. But I listened as he shared the love of Christ at his son's funeral yesterday. I watched the service. And you know that testimony of a child of God walking through a circumstance they don't understand, they don't like, and they probably will never understand. That they would never have asked for, it has, that, that has strengthened the faith of countless people. It is, I've seen posts from around the world. Why? Because of the faith of this young man and the response of this family walking through a trial. Sometimes those things we don't understand, God may be using it to strengthen our faith and the faith of others. What did the psalmist say in Psalm 27, verse number 14? He said, wait on the Lord. 
Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What can God's delays do in us? They can strengthen our faith. Isaiah the prophet said, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God's delays can strengthen us if we'll allow them to. They can strengthen our faith, and they can strengthen the faith of those that watch us walk through those times. Psalm 40, the psalmist said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. He brought me up also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. He set me, He gave me a firm foundation. He strengthened me, set me on a rock. He established my goings. God's delays when I waited patiently for Him, God strengthened me in that time. Church family, I want to challenge us to learn and to ask God to help us to delight in God's delays. Why? Because they can strengthen our faith. Second, we saw in verse 45 of John 11, they can glorify God. Verse 45, many that saw those things believed on Him. When God comes through on His time, it is clear that it is Him, not us, that was working. You see, if people can look at our situation and see that we figured it out and we fixed it, and well, I I had enough money or I had enough power, I could pull some strings, I could do this, and I kind of fixed this problem, people see that, the glory comes to us when we walk through those difficult times. But when people look at what we're going through, and it's clear to everybody, this could only be God that got that person through that, it glorifies Him. You know, God waited for Abraham and Sarah, the Bible says, till they were good as dead. How would you like that to be how someone described you? They're so old, they're good as dead. That's what the Bible says. It uses that phrasing. They were good as dead. What does that mean? Both Abraham and Sarah were well past childbearing years. Now, that hadn't been the case even about a decade before that. Do you remember? Now, Sarah at that point was past childbearing years, but Abraham still had enough life in him that he conceived and Ishmael was born. There was still some human explanation to the birth of Ishmael. That's why he's a son of the flesh. But when Isaac came, who gets the glory when Sarah's expecting a child at 90 and Abraham's 100? Who gets that glory? God. Why? Why should we delight in God's delays? They can glorify God. It has been said, when we are down to nothing, God is often up to something. When we get to the place that it's out of our power, all all we can do is, is glorify God. It is often in the waiting times of life that God strengthens us and glorifies Himself. When people see us walking through delays, disappointments, and discouraging seasons with strong faith, God is glorified, and God is pleased. What did Job say? in his season of delay, he said, but he knows the way that I take. I don't know what's happening in my life, but he knows it, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He's going to strengthen me through this, and he's going to glorify himself through this. What did Job say? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job, in an unwanted season of grief and death and despair and pain, he still sought God. Number three, what can they do? They can drive us to God's promises. You have two options. Abraham and Sarah had two options, didn't they? When God made a promise and then he delayed, what were their two options? We can trust God and wait on him, or we can help God and take this into our own hands. And what did they decide to do at first? What you and I often decide to do. We're going to take this one into our own hands and figure it out for God. 
And what always comes from that, unexpected and unwanted and unintended consequences, often pain, often frustration, Ishmael came. We have two choices in seasons of seeming delay. We can rest in faith or we can rush in the flesh. We can rest in faith or we can rush in the flesh. We see that with Abraham and Sarah, their sin that brought Ishmael. So what about us when our plans for certain relationships don't work out? Will we wait on the Lord or will we try to force something in our own strength? When situations arise in our careers that weren't as we planned, will we rest in His promises and seek His will or will we kick down a door that we may later regret? When faced with uncertainty and undesirable circumstances, are you going to trust in your power or in His promise? Are you going to trust in your power or in his promise? Seasons of delay, if we allow them, can drive us. What did Sarah do and Abraham do after Ishmael? We see they kind of took their hands off of it and just said, we're going to trust God. We're going to rest in his promise. He said he's going to give us a kid. I can't figure it out. I laughed about it once. Abraham says, Sarah, you laughed about it once. We've all kind of laughed about it. It doesn't make sense. But they didn't take matters into their own hands again after Ishmael. How about you and I learn from their mistakes and and, and decide to wait on the Lord? As David said, the psalmist in Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. What is the psalmist saying? This season of delay drives me to his promises. It drives me to his word. It's where I find my hope for today. It's where I find my strength for today. It's in his word that I hope. When you don't understand church, go to his word. When you can't make sense of the path he has allowed, stay in his house. When you don't like where you find yourself, surround yourself with godly influences. Rest in his promises. Remind yourself of his truth. Faith over feelings. Faith over figuring it out. Rest over restlessness. Waiting over worrying. Seeking his plan over forcing your plan. Delight in God's delays. I know that sounds counterintuitive. I know it sounds like no way, but why should we delight in God's delays? Because they can strengthen our faith and the faith of those around us. They can glorify our God, and they can drive us back to his promises. If all of those things are true, then what should we do in God's delays? I've already kind of mentioned this, but here are the three thoughts. Number one, we should rest in his promises. So if those are what, what God can do in, in, in us through delays, what should we do in his delays? Rest in his promises for days and weeks and months and years if need be and decades. Rest in his promises. Faith takes the long view. I almost named this message instead of delighting God's delays. That was almost the title of the message. Faith takes the long view. Faith says, I don't understand what's happening today, but I believe that God has it all under control in the long term. Faith looks beyond current circumstances to future promises. Faith looks in our lives beyond our current circumstances to future promises. God, I can't figure you out today, but I'm trusting that you will work this out for my good and your glory someday. I'm going to rest in your promises. Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things, we don't always see, we don't always understand, but we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. God, I'm going to rest in that promise. He knows the way that I take, and when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. God, I'm going to 
rest in that promise. You said you would never leave me nor forsake me. God, I'm going to rest in that promise when I don't understand what you're doing, and I don't even like what you're doing, and it's actually the opposite of what I prayed that you would do, like Mary and Martha. You didn't come when I prayed, but God, I'm going to rest in the promise that you'll never leave me nor forsake me. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God, I'm going to rest in that promise. How much better would it have been if Abraham and Sarah would have rested in his promises instead of rushing into their plans? How much better? Today, we are still, thousands of years later, about 4,000 years later, we're still, still dealing with the after effects, the ramifications, the consequences, the Arab-Israeli conflict. Why? Because Abraham rushed into his plans instead of resting in God's promises. So what should we do in seasons of delay? Number one, rest in his promises. Number two, make spiritual decisions. It's so easy to try to take matters into our own hands, isn't it? When we can't see how God is working and we don't understand what he's doing, we often make dumb decisions that we come to regret in seasons of delay, doubt, and discouragement. Let me say that again. We often make dumb decisions that we come to regret in seasons of delay, doubt, and discouragement. Make spiritual decisions. I heard one pastor say it this way. He said, don't make major decisions when your decision maker's broken. You know, when you're in a season of deep pain and grief, sometimes your decision maker's broken. You're hurt. You can't see clearly. You're in a fog. You can't figure out what God's doing. You don't understand why. That's where our friends, the text Matt sent me yesterday after the funeral, he said, we are so broken. He doesn't understand, and neither would I, and neither would you. It doesn't make sense. God, we've given our lives to you. That, that makes no human sense. Our son had given his life to you. Uh, we need more preachers. We need more missionaries. Why would you allow this? It makes no sense, God. So in those times, what do you do? You rest in his promises and make spiritual decisions. It is better to wait for Isaac than to end up with Ishmael. The fruit of the fleshly decision versus the fruit of faith-filled waiting. Number three, and we're done. What do you do in seasons of delay? Number three, keep doing what you know to do. Kind of a similar thing of make spiritual decisions, but what do I mean by that? Here's what happens in a season of delay. If we're not careful, what do we focus on? What we don't know about what God's doing. How is this going to work out? Where is this going to lead? What's my future going to look like? What's life going to look like a year from now, a, a month from now, a decade from now? How, how could that work out for good? And God, how is that going to make sense? And God, I don't like that. And there's no coming back from that one. It doesn't, and what happens in seasons of delay often, what happens is we focus on what we don't know about God's plan when we should be focusing on what we do know about God's plan. Do you find yourself in a season of fog and confusion? You don't know what a month or a year or five years is going to look like in your life. You're confused. You're hurt. You're, there's no clarity. What should you do? Keep doing what you know to do. God, I don't know what my life's going to look like a year from now. You know what you need to do? Tomorrow, wake up. Spend time with God. Read His Word. Talk about His goodness. Gather with your church family. Reach out to a spiritual influence. Cast your cares upon Him and go to bed. And then you know what you do the next day? You wake up, you spend time with God, you read His Word, you cast your cares upon Him, you gather with your church family, you reach out to a spiritual influence, then you go to bed. 
And you know what you do the next day? You just do what you know to do when you don't know what God's doing. You do what you know to do when you don't know what God's doing. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. Don't, don't worry about what you don't know about what God's doing. Do what you do know that you're supposed to be doing. When you don't know what is, God is doing, keep doing what you know to do. I think I said that 15 different ways there. That's the slide, though. God taught me this truth in powerful ways as a 19-year-old college student. It was somewhere around the time when this picture was taken. Why would you laugh at that? Some of you ladies are like, oh, I don't know if you're saying awe oh, about my wife or about me, or you just feel bad about how badly I've aged and how she actually looks better today than she did then. I was 19. Life was good. I was healthy. Had a good job. I was three semesters away from graduating from college. I was in love with the woman of my dreams. As you can see, I had a thriving, flourishing head of hair. We were so in love that we went to JCPenney and took professional portraits. Kids and teenagers don't ask, but that's something people did before the turn of the century. Anybody? JCPenney portraits? All right. Or glamour shots? Who had a glamour shot done? Be honest. Had a Sharice, I want to see it. I want to see the glamour shot, Mrs. Padilla. Everything was going great in my life until Tiffany asked me to come to her house late one evening. She said she was struggling with our relationship. We had been high school sweethearts. We had been, um, we had been in an exclusive, committed relationship for several years. I believed that she was the one God would have me to marry. I was making plans toward that end. And she said she didn't know if we were right together. A moment of temporary insanity in her part. <laughs> and she dumped me. I know. Can you believe it? Me. Why would any lady not want to spend the rest of their life with me. She broke my heart. I'm still a little bitter. <laughs> she ended our relationship. And I'm not ashamed to say it. I remember going home that night and crying myself to sleep. I was sure in my life, I, I thought at that moment, Tiffany was God's plan for me. And, and in that moment, God's plan didn't make any sense. What I wanted was completely now out of my control. What I believed God wanted was now completely out of my control. And here's the thought that nagged at me that night. Had I just missed God's perfect plan for my life? And at age 19, was I facing decades of disappointment and uncertainty? Nothing made sense as I tossed and turned that night. The next morning when I woke up, new waves of emotion and heartache hit me immediately. You know how it is when you go to bed with, with really heavy news? and a heartache or a heartbreak, and you wake up, and it's the first thing your mind runs to? Been there? That pit in your stomach that kind of lessened while you slept a little at night, kind of the knots kind of loosened up a little bit, they tighten right back up as soon as you become calm, and you think it wasn't a bad dream, was it? Oh, it's real, isn't it? I've got to face that today, don't I? And I realize that a, a breakup of a dating relationship is, is not nowhere on the scale of tragedies that life can bring, but at 19 years old, it felt like it. And I remember waking up that morning and tears came to my eyes again and that, that empty feeling, I wasn't hungry, there was a pit in my stomach, that doubt, that confusion, God, why, why did you let this happen? There was nothing that she named, there wasn't anything that had, had happened, we weren't fighting, there wasn't, hadn't been dishonesty, there was, there was no human reason why she would give up a prize like this, there was no reason for that. But she just didn't feel it was right, and I remember waking up that morning and what was God doing? What was next? 
Would I miss out on God's perfect plan for a mate for my life? I remember that summer morning getting up, making my bed, and going through my morning routine to get ready for the day. And It must have been, I think it was June, and it must have been June 3rd, because it was either June or July, and it must have been June or July 3rd, because I remember waking up and doing what I had done for for many years at that point. I, I kind of out of desperation, and then a little bit out of routine and habit, I just opened up my Bible, and I went to Proverbs 3. That's how I know it must have been the third of whatever month it was, because I went to Proverbs 3, reading the proverb of the day. Proverbs is 31 chapters. It's a great habit to read one of those chapters each day. It'll give you wisdom for the day. And I opened up Proverbs 3, and I had read, read that chapter for sure dozens of times, maybe scores of times to that point. For years, I had had that habit of reading a proverb of the day. And, and I began to read, and, and I was confused, and I was frustrated, and I was discouraged. And really, I was, I was scared about had I missed what God had for me in one of the most important decisions of my life. And I remember on that morning, I came to a verse that I had read dozens of times before. In fact, as a teenager, I had committed the verses to memory. They were not new verses to me, but on that morning, as I felt some of the worst pain, emotional pain I had felt to that point in my life, these verses jumped off the page and had a meaning in my life that they had never had before. And and I read that morning, Proverbs chapter number 3, verses 5 and 6, where the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And it was on that day where, as I read that, it did not take away all of the pain of losing a relationship that at that point was maybe the closest human relationship or one of them that I had on this earth. It didn't take away all of that pain. There were still some more tears. There were still some more questions. There was still some more uncertainty. There was still some confusion. Why did this happen? And where is it all going to lead? But on that day, I remember God giving me a peace. And what he taught me in that moment, he said, because here's the thing I was the most scared about, was now I had been on the path God wanted me on, and now through no, no working of my own, no decision of my own, I was now on the wrong path. Uh, God could still bless me, but it would be like my second choice, and it wouldn't be exactly what he wanted. And that was my fear, is now, with, with no, without any power of my own, I had gotten on the wrong path in life. And God, as a 19-year-old boy, I read it over, and I stopped, and I sat in it, and he said, Ryan, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. You don't understand what I'm doing. You don't need to understand it. You need to rest in my promises. You need to trust me when you can't trace me. And lean not to your own understanding. Stop trying to figure it all out. You don't need Ishmael. Wait for Isaac. Don't try to figure it all out. Uh, uh, Make spiritual decisions. And then, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. What what did I, I took from that as I read it that morning? Keep doing what you're supposed to do. Keep doing what you know to do. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I didn't leave that verse saying, well, I know for sure that I'm going to marry Tiffany. I left having read that saying, I know for sure that God's got me, whatever that path looks like, if I keep my heart right with him. And I don't know how this is all going to end, but if I keep doing what I know to do, God will direct my path. And I sought to do that to the best of my brokenhearted ability. For those wondering the end of the story, Months later, Tiffany came to her senses. She came crawling back, admitted the error of her ways, and begged me to take her as my wife. I said, give me a few months to think about it. See how you like it. Or something like that. I think I should say, yeah, please, don't ever leave again. 
Do you find yourself in a season of delay? A season of doubt? A season of confusion? Learn to delight in God's delays, trusting that he will work all things together. And as his word says, he will make all things beautiful in his time. He can use them to strengthen your faith and the faith of those around you. He can use them to glorify himself. And he can use them, whatever the third reason was, that's not in my notes here. Anybody write it down there? What's the third one, Teach? To drive us back to his promises. That's what he can use them, is to drive us back to his promises. And then, what should we do in them? Rest in his promises, make spiritual decisions, and do what you know to do. As we close, I'm reminded of the greatest work of God following a season of silence and delay. The Old Testament, it ends around 400 B.C. It's sometimes what we call the silent years. The Old Testament ends around 400 B.C., and for 400 years, basically, God is quiet. You don't see him working, there's no miracles, there's no, there's no word that's there, given, there, there are no books that are written. It's 400 years from the end, the last book of the Old Testament, to the first book of the New Testament, there are 400 years of delay. Now by the way, God had made promises over and over and over again to his people throughout the Old Testament, I will give you a Savior, I will give you a Messiah, I will, there is a Messiah you should be looking for, the prophets would preach it. You find the Messianic Psalms and the the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. They were looking for God's promises to be fulfilled, but it went for a, a week, and then a month, and then a year, and then a decade, and then a century, and then two, and then three, and then four. And for 400 years, God was quiet. A season of silence, a season of delay in his creation. And then Paul, it seems that he's no longer working among his children. And then Paul tells us in Galatians, oh, I like this verse, and we'll close it up. But when the fullness of the time was come, at the right time, yes, a season of delay, like we saw with Sarah in Genesis 21, verse number 2, at the set time he gave them Isaac. When the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. God, we don't understand why you've let all this heartache and sin into our world. Why why have you given us that free will, and we as humans have abused it, and we've chosen wrong things? And God, would you just make it new again? And God, would you give us the answer, and would you give us the one that will forgive us of our sins, will be the Prince of Peace? We're looking, and God was quiet for a week, and for a month, and for a year, and a decade, and a century, and two, three and four, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Christ stepped into our silence to bring us salvation. He stepped into our delay to be your Savior and to be mine. He stepped into our confusion to bring us clarity. He stepped into our lost state to bring us life everlasting. And so my question in closing for you this morning is, do you know him as Savior? 2,000 years ago at the perfect time, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son to be your savior. Don't leave this property today without a personal relationship with him. You don't have to wait any longer. Don't delay to accept Christ. Behold, today is the accepted time. Behold, today is the day of salvation. 
He's come for you. You don't have to wait any longer wondering who the Messiah is, who the Savior is, who the one that can change life, who our living hope is, as we sang this morning. Don't delay any longer because we are not promised tomorrow. Make Him your Savior. And if you have, and you're walking through a season of delay, let Abraham and Sarah's story, let Lazarus' story encourage you, challenge you, and remind you that we don't always understand what he's doing, but we can always trust what he's doing. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.